Oh, Canada, the land of woods, of snow, of mysterious horrors and real monsters. This world is a strange one. Now some of you think from my story request that I stated I am Canadian. I'm actually from Arkansas. Sorry for the confusion. I call the Canadians brethren because they are human, just as we all are. They're also our close neighbors who endure freezing temperatures and, as we'll soon see, terrifying beasts and horrific ghosts that prey on those who cross their paths. So sit back and relax. This time, Canada is getting the nightmare treatment. Here are five allegedly real Canadian scary stories. Enjoy. But first, have you had some creepy encounters with crazy exes or on Valentine's Day? Send us your story soon at darknessprevails.org. I'd love to do something special for Valentine's Day this year. Also, to all of you out there that don't fixate on things like mispronunciation or whether or not my catchphrase makes sense, thank you. Thank you for not letting it ruin these stories that I love reading to you. Now, I'm already freezing in this room, but are you ready for the cold fear of these stories? Number one, Creature by the Truck, submitted by Grace. This story took place in Alberta, Canada. I'm 18 years old now, but this took place when I was 16. My friend and I, let's call her B, were out at my farm here in Alberta, a beautiful rural setting with forests and fields. To give some brief details of the setting, the farmhouse is at the end of a very long driveway. Behind the farmhouse, there is a barn and a wide trail that leads back to a wide open field. And that's where we keep the cows and horses. Along that trail were two rundown trailers that my mom and her family used to live in while her dad, my grandpa, built the farmhouse. B and I were out there with my mom, her now ex-boyfriend, and my younger brother. Nothing was really out of the usual. The snow was sparkling, it was fluffy and light, easy to sink into with every step. Our truck was parked up by the farmhouse and all five of us were out back in search of a Christmas tree. We were pushing through the trees, but B and I decided to turn back as the sun started to disappear behind the trees. As my mom, her partner, and my brother continued on, B and I started heading back to the trail. It would take us back to the truck. And that was where everything went downhill. Talking mindlessly, we passed the two trailers and rounded the corner freezing in our tracks. I swear, in that moment, my heart dropped right into my stomach. Because there, standing on two legs right in front of our truck, was this, this thing. It was huge, and it had a pair of antlers. Its fur was thin, dark, and matted. Its back was hunched over, and its long, bony hands were pressed up against the window of the vehicle. B grabbed onto my arm, trying to pull me backwards. I slowly started to walk away, praying that the seven-foot horror in front of us did not notice our presence. It stood tall, and I knew that if it saw us, we would not be able to outrun it. Definitely not in the depth of the snow we were standing in. I still remember the sound of its breathing. It was heavy and staggered, its eyes seemed to disappear in its head. We were a good 14 feet away from this thing, thank God. 
and I was 99% sure that it hadn't spotted us. The first thing B and I thought to do was go into one of the trailers. The one that was unlocked was rotting from the inside, the floor practically gone, but with four walls and one tiny dirty window, it shielded us from whatever that thing was. We waited in there together for what seemed like hours. We didn't hear anything and we couldn't see a thing out the window, but both of us were too afraid to leave or to barely even move. The only thing that got us out of there were the sounds of my family's voices coming back. We stepped out of the trailer and were greeted with confused glances. We just said that we were exploring and that I was showing B around different areas. I wasn't about to tell my mom what we had seen. She would think we were both crazy. We don't live out there anymore, and I avoid that place as much as possible now. Really, it's a beautiful place, but that peaceful atmosphere it used to give off was gone. Well, for me anyways. B and I are still friends, but even we don't talk about it. I can tell she still thinks about it from time to time, and I can't say I blame her because I do too. Number two, Okanagan Lake Monster, submitted by Zoe G. I've lived in the Okanagan my whole life. I've had my share of weird experiences, from earthworms crawling up from the carpets in my old home to the unplugged vacuum turning itself on and off. I'll start off by saying that this story though belongs to my uncle Brad, it happened when he was still a kid. When he first told this to me, it made me shiver, and it honestly still does. My uncle had grown up in a big house with his parents and four siblings. They were right on the beach with a beautiful view of the Okanagan Lake. They basically grew up on the water. Every time it stormed, my uncle would get his brother and sisters, and they would all head out to the lake for some swimming. This time, however, Brad decided he wanted to try out water skiing during a storm. Their mother, Nancy, decided it would be a fun thing to try and offered to drive the boat while Brad was on the skis. Brad and his mother took the boat out for a bit while the other kids watched from the shore, thunder booming up ahead. Thankfully, it wasn't too windy, not yet anyway, and the storm had just begun so they had some time to have fun before the storm worsened, before it would send them back to the shore. It was all good for a while. Brad was already pretty experienced with water skis, and his mother knew exactly what she was doing with the boat. But nobody was prepared for what happened next. Though the story is not mine and I don't have all the details, this part still makes me shudder every time I hear it. I think you'll see why. Nancy was starting to become rather cautious of something in the distance. It was something under the water, a dark shadow, which was first thought to be a dark spot in the water or a deeper part in the lake or something like that. But then it started to come closer to the boat, slithering almost. Out of the blue, something emerged from the water. It appeared right in front of the boat, catching both of them off guard, horrified. Nancy turned the boat in an instant, 
just barely missing whatever this thing was. Brad wasn't as lucky. The scariest part about the story, to me at least, is how Brad described this thing. As his skis took him flying directly into and over it, he touched its black, blubbery hide with his hand before being thrown off the skis and into the lake. When he finally caught his breath and looked back, the so-called creature was gone, slinking back into the depths. Nancy was circling back around in the boat in a hurry to get to Brad, and after that, they hurried back home. I honestly doubt he ever kept water skiing after this. Well, at least not for a long while. The most shocking part is that Brad's mother, or my grandmother, is not so easily swayed by these events, but she is 100% certain what she saw was the Okanagan Lake monster, the Ogopogo. I'm not exactly scared of the water myself, but I don't think I'll ever forget this story. It really makes you wonder what's watching you from the depths of the sea. Number three, Haunted Barn submitted by Brooke. When I was young, I had a friend who was the same age as me. For the sake of anonymity, I'll call her Jane. She had two older non-identical twin sisters. Let's call them Eva and Evelyn. They were friends with my older sister, partly because they were the same age as well. We knew them through our elementary school. They were living with their mom at the time as they were too young to have a place of their own. The mom was divorced at this point, but still unmarried, so the family was all girls. We all lived in the greater Toronto area in Ontario, Canada. So the mom bought a property that was about an hour and a half outside of Toronto in the country. The property came with a very old barn. It looked like it had been neglected for at least half a century. Their family didn't own any farm animals, but either way, the barn was in no state to house anything, anything living at the least. The boards had a weather-worn look, and the whole thing was decaying slowly from the inside out. The foundation and part of the wall was made of cobblestone, then the walls switched to wood. The roof narrowed into a steeple, and moss covered practically everything on the walls. Of course, eventually, I began to hear stories about the property. The previous owners had told their mom when she'd first bought the land that the property was haunted, especially the barn. There had been things that had happened in the barn, and even though I was young at the time, I heard that some occult activity and murders had happened there. As far as the paranormal went, the barn itself had the most activity, and then the property. The main house itself got the least activity because it was the farthest away from the barn and because the original owners had made sure only to use the barn for anything outside of regular living. But even if the main house was haunted, it goes to show the extent of what happened in the barn itself. I assume when the original owners sold the property, every person or the people that owned the property next experienced something paranormal especially, surprise, surprise, in the barn. From what I heard, there would allegedly be pale white faces in the steeple. Noises of animals could be heard, the creaking of doors, the rattling of locks. 
You could even hear footsteps and sometimes even hoof prints in and around the barn. And sometimes they left tracks. The family friend of ours, the mom and her daughters, even reported hearing and seeing things as well. But my own experience with the barn was pretty freaky. One day, we were all over at the house in the evening, so dusk was falling fast. It was winter. My mom and theirs got into a conversation, and we, Eva, Evelyn, Jane, and myself, along with my older sister, were all bored, and we didn't know what to do with ourselves. So we were all talking, and eventually our conversation went to the barn. The best cure for boredom is apparently to scare ourselves to death. So, of course, we decided to go into the barn to see if anything paranormal would happen to us. We walked to the barn, and all of us were on high alert, keeping our eyes peeled in every direction as we went. Nothing happened on our way there, but the moment we entered, we noticed paw prints. They were of a cat, and it seemed to have a bleeding paw, the blood was visible in the snow and the paw prints went up the stairs, which led to the attic and the steeple. We could hear it mewling pitifully and began to call out to it, to try to get it to come down to us. We were debating on whether or not we should go up the stairs to go get it. After all, the barn was neglected and practically everything was rotting. And that's when we heard a loud bang from upstairs. We all left running, not bothering to look back. We explained what happened to the adults, and my older sister and I left soon after. They've long since moved out of that house. The mom is now remarried, and we still talk to them from time to time, but not very often. And we haven't discussed this experience since then. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring 20s. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Number 4 ghost watching over our couch. 
Submitted by It's Leigh Ashton. First off, this story might not be as scary as others, but it is still one of the most frightful things I've ever experienced. I'm a 14-year-old guy named Ashton, and I live in a medium-sized city in British Columbia, Canada, with my mom, dad, younger sister, and maternal grandma. Now, I've never been one to really believe in the paranormal and ghosts and such, but that all changed when we bought an old couch from an estate sale. It was maybe about six to eight years ago. We were out looking for garage sales one day and we came upon this estate sale in a populated yet creepy neighborhood. My mom basically buys anything vintage or antique. So she had her eye on an antique-ish, maybe 50 to 60 year old white couch. Keep in mind, this is not a regular garage sale. This is an estate sale and trust me, that's very relevant. She ended up purchasing it and we end up borrowing one of my dad's coworkers trucks and go back up to the house to pick it up later that same day. They bring it home and it's all okay for the first bit. The first time we noticed something really creepy about it was around eight months later in early 2010. My sister and I were sitting on that very couch watching TV with cranberry juice and I accidentally spilled some of the cranberry juice on the couch. It was a white couch, so that would have stained it if it wasn't treated immediately and carefully. Unfortunately, the stain was never removed. Fast forward a few hours later, I was going downstairs to eat dinner, and as I was walking by the couch, it almost felt like something passed through me at the very moment. I tried to ignore the feeling, but I swear to God, not even five seconds later, I heard the sound of the floor creaking four or so feet behind me. I stopped and I turned around. There was nothing and nobody there. I continue making my way and the rest of the day turns out all right. Maybe about two weeks later, I woke up in the middle of the night, maybe 2.30 a.m. because I had heard very light footsteps by the couch. Let me tell you about the layout of the rooms. Mine is separated from everyone else's rooms. My room is right next to the living room and to get to my parents' room to tell them what was going on, I'd have to walk either through the kitchen or the living room, both of which are right beside each other. After walking through one of those two rooms, it would take me to the hallway. And at the end of that hallway are my mom and dad's room and my sister's. My grandma sleeps downstairs. Anyway, basically, if I needed help, I'd be screwed because I'd still be passing by or through the living room. So I ended up trying to fall back asleep and surprisingly, sleep came back fast, even though I'm pretty easily scared. Whatever was causing the activity in the house seemed to not pop up at all for the rest of the year. 2011 rolls around and in about April, and I'm eating toast with raspberry jam on the couch when I accidentally drop a piece of toast on it. My heart dropped as soon as I noticed where it had fallen. It fell dead center onto one of the couch seats. Luckily for me, my mom was able to remove the stain this time around, but unluckily for me, that didn't mean anything different because about three or so days later, someone was in the main bathroom. So I went to the tiny bathroom in my mom and dad's room. The bathroom in their room though has always freaked me out. I don't know why. I think one of the reasons is because it's very hard to see into the shower. It doesn't have any curtains, just a glass door. 
And at the time, I was terrified from the movie Psycho, so that might have been part of the reason. But I still felt more than just scared of that one scene from Psycho, though. It felt almost like I was being watched whenever I was in there. Nothing ever happened, though. The weird thing is, I used to think the ghost was just protective of that couch, which sounds weird, but I think it was protective of the bathroom as well. And weirder yet, the bathroom in my mom and dad's room is the most antique room of the house. The ghost left us alone again until I think June or July, maybe even August of 2013. But later on, one day, I was headed downstairs for supper and I was walking by the kitchen cupboards where we stored our glasses and plates. And what happened next still haunts me forever. I kid you not, the cupboard opened suddenly like someone had opened it angrily and one of the glasses came flying towards me, towards my head, to be more precise. I ducked, and it shattered all over the floor. At the same time, I screamed, and my mom came rushing up the stairs to see what all the commotion was about. I told her that a glass came flying out of the cupboard towards me. She didn't believe me, as we had been fighting earlier in the day. She assumed I could have been angry and smashed one of the glasses, but once she saw the look on my face, I think she believed me, and we both thought it must have been none other than our friend, the couch ghost. We cleaned up the glass, and eventually we were both able to go downstairs and enjoy our dinner without any other incidents. In August or September of 2014, one of my mom's vintage toys fell down from a shelf and smashed. I happened to be looking at that shelf the exact moment it happened, and it seemed more than just simply falling off it almost seemed like it was pushed off and it didn't take a genius to figure out what's up. Nothing else happened since then, up until yesterday. The main bathroom was once again occupied, so that meant I could either go downstairs to my grandma's bathroom or into my mom and dad's bathroom. Of course, silly old me was far too lazy to go downstairs, so I went into my mom and dad's bathroom. It all went fine at first. I did my business and as I was washing my hands, I saw a greenish orb floating around the room, and I was absolutely terrified. I ran out, closing the door behind me, and I ran back until I was safe in my own room. My parents saw me running through the house and asked what was wrong, but they know I'm scared of that bathroom, and I told them, nothing, I was just afraid. I don't think this will be the last I ever see of this ghost or orb or whatever the heck it was, but the fact that the occurrences are so rare, it really reassures me. We still have that old couch to this day, and we don't plan on moving anytime soon, as we all love this house. And number five, The Shadow Man, submitted by Charlotte. Back a long time ago, my father would tell my sisters and I about his experiences with some strange things. What I mean by that is that he would tell us about his encounters with monsters. I never really believed him on some things until I had two encounters with one of them. First though, I will tell of one of his encounters that resembles mine. Bear with me here. One day when my dad was in high school, he and his friends went to go hang out on this hill but the only way you could get to this hill was going into a dark tunnel. So they all went through the tunnel and went on the hill and hung out. A few hours passed by and his friends were going to leave until one of them said, 
Hey Larry, you coming? My dad's response was, no, I'm going to stay here for a while. They left and my dad stayed, eventually falling asleep. My dad wakes up later and it's already dark. He checks the time and it's 12 midnight. He should have been home long ago. He's groggy as he slowly gets up and he goes into the tunnel to leave. He starts to walk a little bit, but as he walks, he hears another pair of footsteps from behind, and then he stops. When he stops, the other pair of footsteps stop as well. That being the case, he simply thought it was his own echo, so he begins to walk again. But sure enough, he hears the other footsteps, only they're walking faster than his. So now my dad thought someone was following him, so he ran for his life out of the tunnel. But whatever was following him gave chase. He kept running until he found a neighborhood and he hopped over someone's fence into their garden. My dad sat somewhere in the dark and tried to calm down. Then suddenly, the thing that had been chasing him, it jumped on the fence he had just climbed over. My dad covered his mouth so the thing couldn't hear him from breathing and so that he couldn't scream. It appeared to him as a black shadow and it seemed to be sniffing the air. My dad kept thinking, what the hell? After a couple of minutes, the shadow hopped off the fence and left. My dad stayed in that backyard until one or two and then finally ran back home as fast as he could. Now, as for my experience, I was six or seven and my mom told me to take the garbage can out to the street at about 11 that evening. Now, since I was little and I was already scared of the dark, I told my mother no she yelled at me to do it or she'd ground me. Now, since her punishments were already scary enough, I decided to take out the garbage cans to the street as quickly as I could. I ran outside to the side of the house and one by one, I took each of the trash cans to the street. On the last trash can, as I placed it on the street with the rest of them, I decided to take a breath from running. As soon as I caught my breath, I suddenly felt like something was wrong, like someone was watching me. I slowly turned my head left to the corner of my street and there was a shadowy figure standing under the street light. To be friendly as I thought it was someone, I waved at them and said hi, but the figure did not respond. What it did do though was slowly start to walk toward me and I started to walk slowly back home. As soon as I moved, it began to run after me and I ran back as fast as I could. I opened the door and quickly ran inside and slammed the door shut. My mother yelled at me as I tried to get air. And ever since then, I believed in the monsters that my dad saw. I just hope that I don't come across any more of them. Canada has a similar land area to the United States, so it's pretty massive, but it only has a fraction of the US population. So what does that mean? Well, it means more wilderness, more untamed lands, and more horrors unknown. So the next time you think about escaping Trump to our northern neighbors, think again, because some horrors might just be awaiting you. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your Valentine's Day stories or any other true experience you may have at darknessprevails.org. Thanks.